Before I begin, um, I want to share a couple opportunities. Uh, baptism service, Lord willing, April 5th, Palm Sunday. And there's a meeting on the Wednesday before here in the sanctuary, April 1st, for those who choose to be baptized. Uh, secondly, Women's Night of Worship will be on March 30th, Lord willing. And then finally, again, the offering will be taken upon our departure today. And again, feel free to give online later on during the week if you want, or drop checks at the office. All the other opportunities can be found on website, bulletin, Facebook, etc. Um, well, as I mentioned, uh, we changed our focus um, from being stumbling blocks, 1 Corinthians 8 through 10. Uh, we, we'll reserve that for another time. Um, and for obvious reasons, um, the Lord led me to change my focus this morning uh, to grappling with fear. Well, as I mentioned, we need to uh, take serious the precautions that we've been told. Uh, we don't want to be accused of, of uh, spreading the virus if we don't take the precautions and hey, see they didn't listen to us, it's their fault. So we want to uh, be very careful that way. And so you can be listening to the news and be watching our website and emails. Uh, we also, though, need to balance that with our calling as believers in Christ. What is he calling us to do during this season in, in the life of our country? Why are we alive during this pandemic? Why are we part of countryside? What does it mean? We have a purpose, as long as we have breath. So we need to balance our high calling with the need to take precaution. It's attention, but we need to be discerning every day. As I said, next week we may not be able to have church together, but we will continue online to worship together. Well, I, I discerned four exhortations for believers. What can we learn from Scripture during a time of crisis or trial? And the first uh, would be to counter fear, which is a real deal right now. Counter fear with the truth, the truth of God's will word and his will perfect love casts out fear one of the endemic sins of modern christianity is our fearfulness scripture teaches us that we could counter this fear and overcome this fear by his truth second timothy one for god did not give us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of self-control paul said in philippians 4 do not be anxious about most things but Noah said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And of course, then it goes on to say, and he will provide his perfect peace. And then Joshua 1.9, before they were to enter the promised land, he inherited this task from Moses, and God said to Joshua, have I not commanded you, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. In whatever situation you find yourself in, God is with you. To live in the grip of fear is not God's will for his children. Now this doesn't mean we, can't, we shouldn't take serious the pandemic virus. Or it doesn't mean that nothing will, bad will happen to Christians. We know from scripture, we know from history 
that Christians have been murdered for the faith. And the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, I've experienced tribulation and distress and persecution and famine, nakedness, danger. In other words, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. We live in a fallen world, and this is not our final home. We're just passing through. If I had a cup of water, if this were a cup or, or a cup of something, you didn't know what, what the contents of in my styrofoam cup would be, and then someone comes along and bumps me, then what is, re, what is in, within this cup will be revealed as it spills over, as I get bumped. Oh, it's grape juice, or it's Coke, or it's coffee, or it's water. In the same way, when you and I are bumped with crisis or with a trial, or someone offends us, Whatever spills out will reveal the contents of what's within. I didn't realize how much I depended on March Madness for my happiness. When they canceled March Madness in the NCAA tournament, in the state basketball tournament for high school, I thought, man, I'm depressed. This is discouraging. What am I going to do with myself? And I thought, oh, man, I got bumped here. And what's, what was revealed to me is I have an a dependence on something that I shouldn't have. Or when I went to Walmart last night, down to the toilet paper aisle, I was bumped again. Actually, I got a roll of bigger towels. What do they call those? Yeah, those. One per customer. And I didn't go there for that, but it was interesting to see the empty aisle. But we still have the king of kings sitting on the throne. And we still have his living word of God accessible to us. And when it talks about the word of God, it literally means God is speaking. He has spoken and he continues to speak through his living word of God. We can hear him, especially loud and clear during times like this, as we turn to him. We need to counter the fear with the truth because we said when we, he said when we know the truth, the truth will what? It will set us free, free from fear, anxiety. The most frequent command in Scripture is do not be afraid. And connected to that, the most common exhortation is I will be with you. Do not be afraid, for I will be with you. It's repeated often throughout Scripture. That doesn't mean we won't wrestle with fear at times as believers. And we shouldn't shame ourselves and guilt ourselves and think, man, I'm afraid I've got anxiety. Yeah, we are human, we're fallen, we are weak. Daily we need to wake up. Lord, I need your strength. There have been a few times in my recent past where I've trembled in fear. And that trembling has lasted. My hands were shaking. I knew that I was stuffing anxiety and, and the fear of the future for my loved ones or even for my life on one occasion. And I didn't know what the future held. And so I was literally trembling in my soul and my blood pressure spiked. But what did I turn to for relief and comfort during that time that kept me up at night? I could have distracted myself with sports or entertainment or walk, watching a boatload of television. I could have distracted myself with my children's activities. I could have turned to pornography or drugs or alcohol to numb the fear. Or I could have turn to busyness man the sin of busyness just get on that hamster wheel and keep myself busy at work or with entertainment or amusements or partying or activity i could have just been so busy and crowded out the ill feelings that i had that's what we do 
But instead, I used this time of uncertainty to drive me to a greater dependence on God. I meditated on a list of fear not verses that I'd compiled on the computer, like two and a half pages worth. And I meditated on them daily, day in and day out, for weeks. I memorized some of these, and I allowed God to speak to me through them. I filled my mind with praise and worship as I put my headphones on, iPods, and I just paced the house that night and just heard the truth of music like we sang this morning. I pursued accountability by brothers and sisters in Christ for prayer support, and I did a boatload of praying. And what happened during those seasons were my roots, my spiritual roots, went deeper into the soil of God. And my understanding expanded that God is still in control. He's so much in control that he'll use even the worst that Satan throws at us, he'll use it for his glory, Romans 8, 28. In China, for example, um, in the recent couple years, few years, Christians have been disappearing in the middle of the night. Pastors, leaders have been disappearing because for the very uh, simple fact that they are followers of Jesus Christ, they've been persecuted, ripped away from their loved ones. But when the coronavirus came to China, guess what stopped? The persecution. God uses all things for the good, for those who love him. He's in control. Secondly, God's grace is sufficient in my weakness. Paul said, or Jesus said to the Apostle Paul when he was struggling with, with an unanswered prayer, he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And then the Apostle Paul said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And during times like this, his spirit is accessible and it will rest on us in a very powerful way. He's close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Do you think perhaps God may be using this time in the life of America to have us lay aside our idols? We can no longer pursue our idols. Many of them are canceled. Idols not meaning bad things, but things that come before him. Do you think maybe God is asking us to use this as a sabbatical or an extended Sabbath where we find out that he is sufficient. We don't need the NCAA March Madness tournament to make us happy and fulfilled. I don't know. I, I think maybe this is a time, a really great time for us to, um, to dig into God and dig our roots down deeper. I, I love this blog from Glenn McDonald that I receive every weekday. And he wrote, in 1852, a resident of New York City, feeling homesick for his native England, came up with what can only be described as a wacky idea. He resolved to introduce America to the birds mentioned in the plays of William Shakespeare, one of his own. So he gathered eight mated couples of species of birds. They were trapped in England and transported across the Atlantic and released in New York City. Most of the birds vanished, never to be seen again, but one of the species took a look around North America and said, this will do very nicely, thank you. And it was known as the weaver finch. Have you heard of that before? It's the only one that survived. One of you. Do you recognize it up here? If you don't recognize it by that name, it goes by the name of the common house sparrow, that annoying bird that will wake you up in the spring right outside your bedroom window. 
During the Bible times, the poorest of the poor would purchase sparrows to eat because they were that hungry. Jesus said during those times, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. And what's interesting is the variation of Jesus' words reported in Luke. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Here's, here we have an insight into the first century marketplace. Two sparrows sold for one penny, five sparrows sold for two pennies. In other words, if you bought sparrows in bulk, like toilet paper, the fifth one is thrown in for free. The fifth sparrow was worth so little that it was nothing more than a lightweight feathered incentive to hand over two pennies instead of one. Jesus couldn't be any clearer. No, not one of them is forgotten by God. Every sparrow matters. And if God cares about the fifth sparrow that much, think about how much he must care for you. Poet Sevilla Martin was visiting the Doolittles, who were both invalids, an elderly married couple, housebound. And Sevilla Martin, this poet, recognized how much peace and joy this elderly couple exuded. And so she asked them, what is the secret to your happiness? And Mrs. Doolittle responded, well, his eye is on the sparrow, and he watches over me. And so this woman took that quote from her and formed a poem by the same name. And then someone later on put music to it, and it can be found in our hymnals. His eye is on the sparrow, but he watches over me. God knows what's keeping us up at night. He knows what makes us feel overwhelmed. He knows what's breaking our hearts and filling us with fear. He knows what makes us clench our fist in anger. He knows and he cares because his eye is on us. We're all immortal on this earth. Did you know that? On this earth, we are all immortal as children of God. That is until God says, now it's time for you to come home. There's no safer place to be than in the center of God's will, even in the middle of a pandemic. As believers in Christ, we can overcome fear with God's truth. Well, that is the major point. I got a few, a couple more that are pretty quicker. Secondly, the second exhortation is we have an amazing opportunity as God's messengers of hope. Did you know that in the early church in the third century, plague broke out in the Roman world, the Greco-Roman world. And during this plague, all of the, the religious leaders of these pagan gods, Greek gods, they freaked out and they abandoned the temples and they all abandoned the cities to get away from the plague. And they left all those who were infected behind in the cities to die. Or if, if they were walking along the road and found out someone was infected, they just tossed them in the ditch on the long side because they didn't want to catch what they had. But guess who else remained behind in the cities? The Christians. And they went in the ditches and they picked up those who were abandoned and they nursed them back to health and prayed for them, introduced them to their healing Savior. And when the plague had passed, I wonder how many returned to the temples. Not very many. But the church of Jesus Christ exploded because Christians stepped out in faith. 
during a crisis time. They didn't fear for their lives. Instead, they were willing to die for the sake of others. And Jesus modeled this for the early believers when he approached the lepers and the outcasts and the sick, and he instructed us to do what he did, to touch them, to lay hands on them and pray over them, to heal the sick, to touch them. I wouldn't touch a leper, I might catch it. No, I want you to lay hands on them, heal them in the name of Jesus. And so the early church followed suit. And Jesus said, he will say at the end of the age, the way you treat the sick is the way you treat me. In China, stories leak out. Um, um, in recent China here, during the corona outbreak, uh, stories have leaked out, but you haven't heard much about the volunteer effort that took place, has been taking place in China. We're just average, ordinary Chinese citizens, many of whom are Christ followers, went house to house, handing out supplies, taking temperatures, uh, handing out masks to people, risking their own lives to care for those who were trembling in fear, sequestered in their own homes. We go on mission trips as a church on a regular basis, and one, one of the ones we did that I went to uh, a few years ago was Houston after Hurricane Katrina. It's a risky thing to clean up homes that have been washed away you know, with the flood and taking down moldy drywall and throwing out in the street. And I, I remember stepping with my gym shoes on a, on a nail on, in drywall. And I felt it, and I, I was able to stop myself so it didn't penetrate my skin, but it was a nail sticking out. And I was thinking, yeah, this is risky. This is dangerous to go on mission trips like this. But is it worth it? You bet. It's not only fulfilling, but we're... Um, we're experiencing our purpose for which God has called us. You might be saying, Pastor, you can't be so naive during a time like this. Don't be foolish. Don't place yourself in risky situations. You need to take care of yourself. After all, doesn't it say your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must do what? You must be cautious, right? and you must protect yourself, right? That's not what he said. If you want to be my disciple, you must die to yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. In other words, give up your rights, be willing to die, and follow me. That's what Jesus said. Matthew 10, he also said, I'm sending you out, disciples, as sheep among wolves. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings, and Gentiles, and when they arrest you, do not worry about what, they, what to say or how to say it, because at that time you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Therefore, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Now, if you're listening online and you've deemed yourself to be an at-risk person due to your age or your health and you're self-quarantining yourself, that's great. Um, but guess what? You're still the church and you can accomplish much in the privacy of your own homes. If you own a computer or a cell phone or if you have cards and stamps, then you can be an encouragement to people. You can reach out to people. You can 
Find out if your neighbor, elderly neighbor, neighbor is in need of anything. You can call the church on behalf of folks and we'll be willing to serve. There are many here. Who would be willing to serve here if you know people in need who are lonely and alone? And so what I want you to do is I want you to uh, call the office or look online and, and we'll let you know people that you can call and encourage during times like this. Or if you are at home, I would ask you to call the office as well or email us. Let us know that you will, you'll be at home for a while. We want to reach out to you as well. And we'll bring you toilet paper if you need. We'll bring you whatever supplies you need. Dr. Seuss wrote, To the world, you may be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. It's a time where we're called to be light in the darkness. We're called to be countercultural. We're called to be agents of hope. In a hopeless world, we're called to be resurrection people. Look for opportunities to be Christ. Thirdly, um, we must continue to meet together. We must continue to meet together. Scriptures commands us to live as a redeemed community, not as isolated individuals. We are responsible for one another because we're the body of Christ. John 13 by this, everyone will know that you belong to me, that you're my disciples, by the way you love one another. Hebrews 10, do not give up meeting together as some of you are in habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Isolation and loneliness can be devastating. In America, there will be 25 million Americans who will be immunocompromised with elevated risks and they'll be sitting alone at home in some cases 25 million but I'm speaking to the 300 million of us who are not sequestered at home to remind us to remind them that they're not alone it would be a major error to withdraw and cease fellowshipping from your brothers and sisters in Christ at this time because of a risk Think of this. There are Christians around the world meeting this morning in underground churches, in churches, secret services, and if they are found out, they will be arrested just like that because it's illegal to be a Christ follower. Would you call that a risk? Christians today, what they do is oftentimes if they can't meet together, they will still meet together in parks, one and one. They will agree to meet, sit on a park bench. They won't even talk to each other. They'll just simply sit next to each other and acknowledge each other's presence, pray for each other silently, and they say this is so life-giving. It's a necessity for our spiritual lives to meet together. And then once they meet for a while, then they'll both go and they'll go to another park and they'll find another believer and sit down with them throughout the day they gather together with other Christians to support them and encourage them. Now this requires some clarity. There might come a point where we're told that we can't gather together. So, and we'll need to comply with the request. But even before that, we can be complying with, with the precautions like I mentioned up here again. It's worth repeating in the next slide. I think? No, maybe not. We need to sit fat in church. 
We need to practice social distancing by not shaking hands, not passing the offering plates, things like that. We'll do communion in a special way. Um, We need to wash our hands before and after church and often. We need to remain home if we're sick. And these actions will be for the good of society, too, because we don't want to carry germs to someone who might be more vulnerable. So we need to practice caution for the sake of others. And so we need to use our live stream services if we can't meet together. And perhaps we'll have services even more than on Sundays, maybe midweek things. We can join together as prayer warriors like never before in our own homes. We can send out prayer emails and we can pray together and worship together that way. We can utilize teaching resources provided by the children and youth department and our adult Bible studies. We'll we'll send that out. And, And I know one Christian Formation class is going to Zoom or Skype in their class next week if it's canceled. And we can meet in smaller groups in our homes when we're confident that we won't be exposing anyone to the virus. Or perhaps we can worship in family units or invite other family members to come over and watch church together, worship together in our own living rooms. But we must remain faithful to the command to not give up meeting together. And then finally, we're called to rejoice during a time like this and live life fully. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. He said this when he was imprisoned. And then James chapter 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. 1 Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. I'm not thanking God for the plague or the, or the virus, but we can thank God in all circumstances. When we do this, when we rejoice and thank God, we are placing him above the circumstances. We're setting him on the throne of his sovereignty. We're depending on him and acknowledging that, and then he can empower us with his spirit and his boldness and his peace. Rejoicing is a command in Scripture. We must not let an obsession with fear steal our ability to live. C.S. Lewis wrote, and I'll conclude with this, And it was during the time of nuclear, the threat of nuclear war. C.S. Lewis wrote, If we're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, like praying and working and teaching and reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint of a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, as any microbe can, but they cannot dominate our minds. We can't let fear overtake us. We need to fight against it. How do we do that? By countering fear with truth, by making the use of every opportunity. We have amazing opportunity as the church of Jesus Christ to be messengers of hope, to really change the trajectory of the church and its influence. Thirdly, we must continue to meet together And fourthly, we must be sure to thank God in all circumstances and rejoice in him. And as we start to live wisely, yet boldly, we'll display the grace and power of our Lord to a hopeless world. And perhaps, just perhaps, we'll experience some supernatural fruit, the same fruit that the early church experienced, and it 
it blew up because of how Christians treated those in fear and illness. Let's pray. And so, Jesus, we count it a privilege to worship here in freedom this morning and to be able to worship online. What a gift it is, Lord, that you've given to us in this church, that we can gather together as a community outside the walls of this church. Because, Lord, the church is not just this building. It's, it's your people gathered. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And we ask you, Lord, to empower us. Fill us with your peace and boldness and your spirit. May we dig our roots down deep during this time of sab Sabbath and sabbatical. May we just, um, uh, just dig into you, Lord, and get to know you better. Allow you to use us to be your agents of hope in this world. In Christ's name, amen.